thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, helping you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to being a fly in the wall. (laughs) We are a fly on the wall today. (laughs) In the car. We're in the car again. We are in the car again. We're on a road trip. We're heading down to do our five-day intensive retreat in gorgeous Byron Bay. So you're going to be a fly on the wall right here with us as we have a conversation. And this one's kind of cool because it's all about what gets you up in the morning and whether you're prepared to get up in the morning. (laughs) And it was quite funny because we were just talking about how, you know, Kim being the gorgeous fitness creature that she is, the goddess of all stunningness, how she gets up super early in the morning goes for her run, rain, hail, wind, sleet, or shine. And Cindy does the same thing. And the girls were just, you know, they turned around and said, well, you know, Karen, you'd be the same. And I went, yeah, no. (laughs) No, no, not not quite that way at all for me. No, quite the opposite in actual point of fact. I prefer to keep snugged up warm underneath my doona. And, you know, but then I made a comment about the fact the thing that actually gets me up in the morning is my work. And I think I confessed to being a workaholic or an addict. And then we all just said, hi, I'm Karen Smith and I haven't worked for 24 minutes. (laughs) So this is what's prompted our podcast with you today. Because we want to know, like we want to really, really explore what is the juice that wakes a person up in the morning and what's the the non-juice that keeps... A person like me wanting to stay in bed. So over to one of you girls because, you know, really I think you guys are the ones that are the ones that are so inspired to get up early and, and get your day started and, you know, you, and you do it day in, day out. Tell, what, like, go there, go there. Tell us all about I, what makes that. I, I think what really got me into the habit of getting up early in the morning or really made me not complain about getting up, in all honesty, kids, happened once I had children because there was nothing that I, there was no one else to go to get up to that child who was crying and as my husband would so beautifully say well you're the milk truck it's you that they need so I might as well not get up um, but in all seriousness sometimes when you're getting up three four sometimes even five times a night and all of a sudden I remember having this epiphany at about four o'clock one morning Taylor was about 14 weeks old and I remember thinking I'm never going to sleep a full night again I I might as well just get used to the fact that I'm going to be tired for the rest of my life. So rather than fight it, I might as well just get up and get in, get into the day. And I do really vividly remember that at 14 weeks of age, thinking there's no point complaining. I just have to get up. May I tell you, if, if I thought that to myself, if there was ever a day that I thought I'm going to be tired for the rest of my life... I would put a sign on them on my back and say, shoot me now. Yeah, but let's, let's put this to it. Let's say her puppy dogs were oh, sick and up right. five times in the night. Yeah, no. That's yeah. what that's saying. See? So it's the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. So there is a real big pull as to why you get up. And I think what I've done is just transferred that into my work and my running and my exercise. There's, to me, there's just it just is. It just is. What about you, Cindy? Well... 
The conversation, it, it's so funny, when we decided to, to do this podcast on what gets you up in the morning, I only had this conversation um, with an elite athlete only uh, less than a week ago. So I was having lunch with Natalie Cook, who's the um, Australian gold medalist, and she had, yeah, sorry, vol- volleyboarder, uh, and she um, basically has this amazing yoga teacher. Like she showed me photos of this yoga teacher and he could do things I've never seen any yoga teacher do. So her question to him, she wanted to interview him and her question to him was what gets, oh no, not what gets you up in the morning is do you ever not want to get up and do yoga? Cause apparently he gets up every single morning Rain, hail, shine, snow, whatever, you know. Sleet. Sleet. <laughs> he gets up in the morning and he does yoga. That is what he does. So her question to him was, do you ever not want to do it? And he said no. Wow. So I, you know, and she found that quite phenomenal, really phenomenal. And I, I, I couldn't get off this. I couldn't, as she's talking and my husband and Sarah are talking, we're all having a chat, everything kept coming into my mind. Every time we think about something, I want to ask Natalie, do you ever not want to get up in the morning? And I, so about half an hour after the conversation about the yoga teacher, I actually said to her, Natalie, is there ever a time in your life that you never want to get up in the morning? And she said, no. And I went, well, what's the difference between someone getting up in the morning to go to yoga or someone getting up in the morning to get up and, and, and do their life? And, like, I know for me, I can't wait to get out of bed. Really? I can't wait to get out of bed. I am so excited because I already know what I'm going to do and I'm already ready to do it. And, like, I want to run or I want to – and that's only running because of you two. You know that. (laughs) Um, They threw the gauntlet on me and um, signed me up for the half marathon. So I'm, of course, (laughs) not going – She's now doing it out of fear. I'm doing it out of – not only fear, but I'm not going to let them down, you know. (laughs) And still complaining about it. Like, I mean, oh, my goodness, how many times have I heard, oh, hello. oh my God, yeah. they booked me into the marathon. I mean, well, I think this is about yeah. the eighth time. Boring, well. boring. Oh. You're just doing it and you're going to do bloody well and you'll be awesome. <laughs> and you will run it and you will run it with a smile. That is right. <laughs> you will enjoy it. <laughs> you will enjoy yourself. <laughs> so getting back to why I love getting up in the morning, that is one reason I just love getting up in the morning. There's, there's just... I, I'm so excited about what I'm doing. I, I just, I remember when my kids were little, I would get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning and get up and start writing my book or um, go for my walk or whatever it was. But I actually find life exciting. Yes. And that's why I want to get up in the morning and why I'm so excited about getting up in the morning. And I, I'm not a workaholic like Karen. I I love to play a lot too. So just uh, last week, um I gave Kim Morrison a beautiful birthday present, and it was a three. Yeah, it was three hours of us pampering. This is a friend you'll want to have, and you can't have her because she's ours. <laughs> so it was her birthday, and I decided to pamper her and me, of course. And I could hardly wait to get up that morning. I was so excited. I, first of all, I went for my run. I came home and I prepared breakfast for Kim. So I made her the most beautiful breakfast. She thought she was going out for breakfast but I knew she'd be late because she's always late and so I knew that if if she was late 
late, we'd get to breakfast late, and then we'd get to our pampering late, and I did not want to do that. So I made her a beautiful breakfast, but I was so excited by it. I was. I was so excited about it. Like, And remember the morning that we had to get up at 5.30 in the morning and do podcasts? I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get to there to do the podcast. That's true. Really? Yeah. So... What gets me up in the morning is that I'm excited about life. Well, while you two girls were, you know, sparring yourselves, I was working. Yeah. It's true. It's true. She had the offer. And I was thinking of you the whole day thinking, God, they're out there pampering, doing gorgeous things. Should we tell them how you did it? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) They spent the whole time at the day spa naked. That is right. Naked, bare, but freckle naked. Hello. Thank God I didn't go. <laughs> we thank, did think thank, about her, didn't we? We did. Thank God I'm a workaholic <laughs> and I didn't actually have to go to be subjected. But I think you've brought up a really good point. What, the nakedness? <laughs> well, that's the reason why I do like to stay in bed. Um, there are some oh mornings God, I'll stay in bed. No, no, I'm just saying, when my husband's at home and I haven't seen him for a while, of course I'm not going to get up and go for a run through rain, sleep, hail or shine. I mean, hello. when I read. She does bedroom aerobics. Don't worry about oh, it. when I read. <laughs> did when, you just say that on my air? When I read. <laughs> you can burn just as many calories stop in a lovely session as you can going for a 5K run. I thought there's no point going for a run. So there you go. There's another reason why to stay. There's other reasons to stay in bed, I might add. As well as reading and you really are up. You know, I'm not. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Come on girls, clean it up, clean it up. (laughs) Okay, okay. So that was what led me to this next question. Is that maybe Maybe this isn't the right word now, but maybe it's more about what's your passion? <laughs> what drives you to get up in the morning? Maybe that's what keeps people in bed. Because even though you say you don't want to get up, Kaz, you actually do. You actually, your brain wakes and you're into action with work. So whether or not you go for a run is insurmountable. It doesn't matter because you're actually up and at them with your work. And you do often 15, 14, 16-hour days. Easy. Yeah. So to me, it's more about not what gets you up in the morning because not everyone is a good morning expert. Exerciser, and, and you shouldn't have to exercise. And I'm not saying you should exercise in the morning, but to me, it's like, you know, what, what gets you up? Sometimes I actually get up at 4 30 in the morning and I'm writing articles because there's no one interrupting me till 7. Drop the kids at school and then I'll do my exercise from 9 till 10. So I, it's not so much that that's what drives me to get up. I think it's more about what's my passion? What's, what excites you? Maybe that's the question we should be asking ourselves. And Karen, you know, you, you, know, you said you'd rather stay in there snugly, but what gets you up is you, your work. That is true. I'm actually just, I'm actually just reliving the last, you know, specifically the last five weeks and I've had an extreme five weeks where I've created online training programs and it's it's been huge and it is I, I do lie in bed all snuggled up with my dinners and my pillows but then the next thing I'll think of is oh my god I've got to send that email or I've got to have this structure created or I've got to get on and do some filming or I've got to go and meet with a producer or whatever and within seconds I'm up I'm in the shower I'm done and I don't I don't waste a second um, throughout the course of my day I move very swiftly through everything throughout the course of the day come five o'clock you know Matt gets home and I have my office at home and Matt gets home and you know I'll usually work through till about 6 six thirty, till he's had his shower and he's you know relaxed and then I'll come out of the office make dinner while dinner's cooking in the Thermomix I'm back on the computer and then we eat dinner 
and then he might want to watch the news and I refuse to watch the news. So I'm back on the computer again and I'll probably pack it in by about quarter past eight and then I'm in bed by 8.30. (laughs) But but remember what was our, I think what sparked this conversation is that Karen was feeling a little bit like she wasn't doing enough for herself, you yeah. know, and, and me time. And um, and I think that's the balance of it is really important that I know myself when I've been for a run or a yoga class or I've even gone for a walk on the beach, I'm more invigorated, more clear, and I've got this little endorphin hit and I'm feeling fantastic now. So sometimes that getting out the door is the struggle, but in fact, for me, I work better when I do it. So, well, do you know what I actually find? And it's, I, I'm so, I'm thrilled that you've actually said that because I think it was just a couple of days ago when I really started to feel that I, I was, I'd hurt my back. I really wanted to talk to you about this because, Kim, I was. You know, when I if I do actually force myself to go and do some exercise during the day or go out and do a yoga class or just even go out and sit in the sun and have my lunch, I can't go back to work. It's almost as if I've given myself a gift and now I feel I deserve to keep that gift for the rest of the day. And then I become a lush. <laughs> so I won't go back to work. And then I beat myself up about it. Because I know that I have, because I work beating yourself up either way, whether you exercise and do something or whether you're not exercising, aren't you? Well, I am. I'm beating myself up on both accounts. I think I need help. (laughs) Well, I'd actually like to give some Karen counselling here. Please, help me. Everything's perfect, Karen. Everything's perfect. I could just kiss you on the lips right now. Look it at you. is. It is. Beautiful girl. Everything is perfect. And when you choose to have that lunch and you're feeling like a lush and you don't want to go back, that's perfect. That's actually probably the greatest thing you could be you doing. Could, exactly, because you know. Days, you do 16-hour days. That's the perfect thing you're doing. You get, you get into the, the work you do gets you into a rhythm, doesn't it? Like you must get yeah. into such a, a focus and it's so deep and so incredible that you must find that you need to just keep going that is true I do once I start on a flow I do and I and I will work 24 hours a day there's been uh what were there about four nights in the last uh, week and a half that I just did 24 hours right the way through and then I didn't got like I started at eight or six in the morning and worked all the way through till quarter past 11, half past 11 following day, and I would have done that, I think, at least four or five times in the last couple of weeks. Because I do, I get onto that flow, and I can't think of anything else. The dogs don't get fed. <laughs> the, the clothes don't get washed. You know, the dinner doesn't get cooked. The house doesn't get Thank God I've got a cleaner. No, and nobody gets contacted. You know, I don't call my mum. I don't call my family. Nobody gets nobody gets contacted. Um, but the material that you produce out of that changes thousands of lives, and it's phenomenal. And you're you've got a purpose. You've got passion, purpose. You're on a mission. You're just. I, I think that's what excites people to get up in the day. Like seriously, I think someone someone listening to this. Maybe sitting there going, I wish I had something like that to drive me to get up, you know. I think it's amazing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There are so many lost souls out there not knowing who they are or what they want to do or maybe she's a mum and she's become a newborn mother and all of a sudden her career has changed and now she's got this little thing that screams non-stop and wants feeding and changing and I've got a girlfriend who's going through this exact thing she came around the other day I said where's the baby and she goes I just I just couldn't come I left it in the car I just, I just, I just don't want to be near it 
And she goes, is that a, am I being a bad mother? <laughs> I left it at home. I left it in the car. It's gone. <laughs> it's at the casino. <laughs> Damn, I left it at the newsagent. Oh, no. But in all seriousness, like, her world has totally ruptured and she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know who she is anymore. But she ain't got a choice. She's got this child that depends on her. Then look at a mother whose children are now gone to school. And she's got no children at home now. What does she do with her time? Some women who, would say, had a career before then, and now they've got children back at school, don't want to go back to that, but they don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what they want to do. And they've lost maybe a little bit of confidence. Or then you're at the other end when your teenagers are leaving home and you're an empty nester, and you're going, maybe it's the first time in your life, and you girls might be able to help me on this, but who am I? You know, there are thousands of women that go through this where they become empty nesters and they don't have their career has been for 20 25 30 years is been a mum a wife um or and maybe working a job part time but not really what they're loving they've just got to get the money in and look this happened uh, like I just everything is perfect Karen everything if it wasn't perfect wouldn't be happening and that's what you've taught me and this this beautiful mother comes in now we're getting ready to do awaken the change within and I am you know reading more books getting more information learning more stuff you know wanting to make sure that I am giving the the latest information on nutrition and I'm in a little bit of a uh, a panic about it, thinking I don't have enough information. They're not going to get what they need. They already have this knowledge, and really, yeah, yeah. I want to give them more and more. And this woman, this beautiful friend of mine, walks in, and she just walked in to say hi. And we end up sitting down. I make her a bulletproof coffee. I figured she needs it, so I make her a bulletproof coffee. And um, and and what's amazing is that I just get into this conversation with her where she says, you know, the kids are nearly finished school. I've got two at boarding school. I haven't got my young boy much longer. You know, my husband works away all the time. I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. I get anxious at four o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm putting on this belly weight. I'm, and all of a sudden I, I'm looking at her going, you need to come to awaken the change within. You need to hear from Karen, Kim and I how much if we change our diet, we change our way of thinking and we just want have something to do in the morning. And all of a sudden I calm down about what I need to teach the five people, you know, the five people, the five days during that five days. What is it that I'm teaching? I'm actually teaching... Actually, exactly what we have, what we do, what what excites us in the morning, what gets us up. And when you do that, then they want to eat better and they want to look after their bodies better. And and all of a sudden, she, you know, there's there's no mistakes, everything's perfect. Um, and her walking in on that particular day when I'm still reading stuff, still trying to get new information, I stopped at that very minute because what the problem is, is it nothing's exciting these women anymore. Their children have left home. Their husband works away or, you know, they don't have that relationship that they may have had with their husband. And what 
and and they are anxious because they're hitting 50 at this point. They've been eating the same foods, the food's crap. And she admitted to me, she said, I just eat a bag of chips and then I'll eat another bag of chips. So I know that it's the food that's affecting your anxiety and she's waking up in the morning, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock, can't get back to sleep. In the light of day, nothing's wrong, but in the middle of the night, everything's wrong, you know? So whereas I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, oh, I need to go to the toilet, and I actually look at the clock and I, go, I have my eyes closed and I go, please at least be 4 o'clock in the morning, please be 4 o'clock in the morning because at least that's a reasonable time to get up. Well, actually, probably some people might not think that, but, but if the other morning I woke at 2.30 and I thought, fuck So anyway, because as soon as I'm awake, I can't wait to get up. I know that sounds stupid, but I can't wait to get up. So I'm lying there and I'm thinking, okay, so then I got my meditations and I listened. Oh, no, 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 not that morning. I, you got up that morning. You told me you got up that morning. Remember 2.30? Okay. You can do your meditation after we, you've told them the truth. <laughs> You got you got up and you at about five thirty you decided you needed more sleep and you went back to bed after working oh, for three oh, hours. That morning, that no, morning. I was talking about two nights ago. <laughs> See, oh. it's every morning. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, tell us about two nights ago now, Kimmy. <laughs> well, well, I woke at two thirty and all I could think of was this article I had because I just had this dream about writing <laughs> writing this article all about stress and I knew <laughs> and, but well, the thing while I was writing this article in my dream I actually woke up and I was worried all week about writing the article because I was thinking what am I going to write about stress and I was stressing out about it so then I wake at 2.30 in the morning and it all just came to me and it flowed and it just came really easily and I think what I've learned <laughs> from you girls is if I'm trying to push upstream it just doesn't flow for me. So now if I do wake early, instead of beating myself up and going, oh, my gosh, I need more sleep, I just go, you know what, just do what you need to do. You know, I'm not getting anxious about waking early or not getting enough sleep anymore because those days are often days I don't feel like running or I don't feel like going to the gym. So I'm actually learning to really listen to my body that if I'm putting in, like if I was putting in 16-hour work days like Kaz's, I would probably find more benefit doing a meditation mm. than I would going for a run, perhaps, because I'm in the flow and I'm in that thing. So I don't think there's anything wrong with doing those 16-hour days, but I do believe in order to have productive, fantastic 16-hour days, it's good to have those days where you have your lunch outside in the sun and you don't do work in the afternoon, if we've got the luxury to do this. Um, I think for people that are in a full-time job or they're and they've got kids and, you know, these women and men out there don't have that luxury and their time becomes even more precious on weekends where they need to recharge or re-energize or to do things for themselves because you don't have a choice. Um, but coming back to the point of what gets us up in the morning, even if it's your kids, even if it's something, I think the alternative is quite sad if you don't want to get up. You know, most people that don't want to get up are in a state of being down or depressed. Depression. And that's that's not fun. Or they haven't got anything that excites them in their life or they haven't gone out seeking because I think it, it is about seeking. It is about looking because if unless you're – Unless you're out there and you're interested and you're reading or you're listening to podcasts, as we all do, we just don't do this podcast, we all listen to podcasts, but if you're out there seeking information and, and new knowledge and and just really enjoying um, that information, it, it then gives you the ideas to do something else or you want to get up. Like, I want to get up and listen to a podcast. 
you know, I'm listening to one out of America at the moment that I'm really enjoying because I've listened to the wellness guys, I've heard us. <laughs> so I, I'm listening to this one out of America at the moment that I'm really enjoying. And so I think I can hardly wait to listen to this person and what he's got to say. Karen, I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what we said before we started recording. What's that little, there's that little gap, there's a gap, because we were talking in relation to exercise, weren't we? What's that gap that has me get up in the morning and not question getting up, as opposed to someone who goes, I know I should go for a run, but I really can't be bothered, and oh my God, now another 10 minutes has gone, oh, too late, now I can't go. Mm. I had a girlfriend say to me the other day, it was on Sunday morning, it was quite cold because it's getting colder here now, and she woke up ready to go to climb Mount Coolum. And she laid there and she thought, oh, it's too cold. It feels like it's going to rain. And her daughter came down to see if she was ready to come. And she went, oh, honey, I'm not really, I don't think I'll go. And she turned around, her daughter turned around and said, mum, this is your time. You need to use it. And that got her up. And then she sent me a photo. I'll show you, show you guys after. Watching oh, you the sun that, come uh, up. You yeah, put it on Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watching the sun come up on the top of Mount Coolum, and I saw her later that day at the dance of Stedford. We're both dance mums. And I said, how was your walk this morning? She goes, you know, I nearly didn't go. And she goes, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm so glad I didn't give in. But Kaz, my question to you is, what's that little, there's that moment that says to you yes or no? Is there something around psychology in there? Yeah, look, you know, there's, there's two types of motivation. There's towards what we want and away from what we don't want. So, you know, to say... You know, for somebody like me, and obviously your girlfriend going to Mount Coulomb, for us at the beginning stages of our of our exercising regime, we don't have a habitual way of being with it. So we do require motivation in order to take the action. But if what's driving us is towards something, like when that girl came downstairs and said, Mum, this is your time and you need to use it, her daughter gave her mum... A, um, a very strong motivation to move towards going and doing the exercise. But if her daughter had come downstairs and said, Mum, you are lying there like a big fat slug, get out of bed, that would have been an away from motivation that the mother would have gone, oh, you know, she's right. I, I, I don't want to be fat or I don't want to be overweight or I don't want to be frumpy or I don't want to be lazy. Yeah, right. Okay, I'll get out of bed. <laughs> and so she would have gotten out of bed motivated but motivated through a negative vehicle, which then loses its steam because we can only say to ourselves, you know, you're a lazy slug or whatever you want to you know. I don't even know why I'm coming up with that word, but that's so nasty. But <laughs> you see how we talk to ourselves? Oh, my goodness. But, you know, you can only say that to yourself so many times and then eventually you're not actually lazy because you've developed the habit for exercise. You're not actually lazy. You have lost some weight. You're feeling really great. But that motivation, that away from, that negative motivation loses all impact on us. Because when we're not a lazy slug anymore, then there's nothing to motivate us to get out of bed and then the motivation diminishes. I use myself as a classic example on that. I started exercising and running um, recently um, because I didn't want to be overweight. I wanted to be slim. 
And so for me, I have kind of like this 50-50. Part of me does, part of me doesn't. And part of me really does want to be lean, fit, athletic and strong. And I really want to look in the mirror and see that perfection. I really want to see that because I feel it on the inside and I know I have it from a mental perspective. I don't have any questions or doubts about myself from a psychological perspective and what I know. But when I look at my body, I think, yeah, I still have some work to do. Mm. So part of me wants this lean, fit, athletic body, but the other part of me really can't be bothered, really thinks, oh, yeah, I don't want to be fat, actually. I I don't want to – I really want to get into size 8 jeans. You know, I really – I don't want to be fat. So part of me is away from being I don't want to be fat and part of me is towards being lean, fit, athletic and strong. So if I'm running, running, running and I look in the mirror and what I see is somebody that's not fat, I lose my motivation to run because what's I've lost the drive and the drive was I don't want to be fat, therefore get out and run. So I'll lie in bed and I'll say to myself, you don't want to be fat and I'll go too right, I don't get up. So I'll get up and I'll go and run. But the minute I've lost the weight and I'm lying in bed and I go, you don't want to be fat? Yeah, but I'm not anymore, so I can lie in bed. Sweet. (laughs) Up come the doona covers. Interesting. So there's the difference. There's the distinction between towards motivation and away from motivation. And for most of us, until we've developed the habit, while we're still relying on motivation, most of our motivation comes from what we don't want. And when that is the motivating drive it'll always be temporary because once we've got what we don't want, so once we're not fat anymore or once we're not lazy anymore, then the motivation's gone. Is that why so many people on The Biggest Loser, or not just them, but people that lose a lot of weight then often gain weight and some? Big time. Yeah. Absolutely, because what's driving them is is a desire not to be fat. Instead, if we can can create a toward motivation that is stronger – than not wanting to be fat, but for most of it's very diff- most women, it's very difficult to find a motivation bigger than I don't want to be fat. But if we can find a motivation bigger than I don't want to be fat, that's toward what we want. Like, um, I want to run the marathon. <laughs> if that's big enough for you, or I want to, I want to be lean, fit, athletic, and strong. If that's big enough, if we can find a motivation that's big enough, that's toward what we want, then that motivation continues it's always there because lean fit athletic and strong is something that requires maintenance so you'll always be motivated to get up because you'll think to yourself oh, i want to be lean fit athletic and strong am i yes i am so i want to maintain that i want to continue to be lean fit athletic and strong bring it on let me get up and that is exactly how i think and i think what what you're saying is um, if i really look at it Often we teach what we need to do or learn the most. <laughs> I think it's interesting what the three of us all do. Um, but I teach people how to look after themselves and to be fit and healthy. Now, if I wasn't living what I was doing, it would be that motivates me because I can't not walk the talk. Do you know what I mean? So my, I have a question actually about that. So why do some people have a motivation that is toward a positive Versus someone who has a motivation that is away from a negative. So, I, versus I don't want to be fat, or versus I want to be fit and healthy. So, I'm I'm thinking about how I think, and mine is always towards something, not to get away from something. Mine's always this is what I want, so I work towards that rather than. So, why does somebody else 
like you, Karen, why, what, what gives, what is that? Is that nature nurture? Is it what we've learned? Uh, is it um, Personality. personalities? How the hell does it's, that happen? Yeah, it's, it's childhood upbringing. It's experiences. And, um, you know, this motivation toward and away from motivation shows up in every area of our life. Like, I mean, if you look in the context of your relationships, if you look in the context of your health, context of your finances, the context of all the different areas of your of your life, you're going to have toward and away from motivators in every area of our lives. And sometimes it works for us and sometimes it doesn't work for us. But when there's an away from motivation, it usually is because we have had a suffering in the past that we want to avoid. Or we've had a family member suffer with it and therefore we want to avoid it. It usually occurs inside of the family. It's unusual that somebody will have something occur for their girlfriend and therefore they don't want to ever have that happen to them. Sometimes that, you know, can ha- it, it can be a thought, but it's never strong enough to be a full-on away from motivator. So for me, you know, my whole family, we've always struggled with our weight. Um, we All of us do. And it's always been something that I decided I didn't want to struggle with. I always wanted to look after myself. I always wanted to have my weight be a priority. And sure as nuts, my weight has always been a priority. I've never... You know, always, I haven't always been successful with it, and I've always ridden the roller coaster because my motivation is away from being fat. So the minute I'm not fat, then I go, oh, there goes, there comes the Turkish delight, and I can feel it. Oh, nice pizza. Bring on a bounty. Yeah, I can have that. No sweat. <laughs> so then all of a sudden I'll have all of these things, pick up the weight, look in the mirror and go, oh, my God, I'm fat again. I don't want to be fat. So then I'll go on the diet. Yeah. And then I've lost the weight, look at myself and I go, oh, I don't need to diet anymore. Sweet. Then I'll, Because what I didn't get, and I've certainly got it now, but what I haven't gotten up until now or not, well, up until about a year or two ago, I didn't get that um, that roller coaster is a choice. It's actually a choice and unconscious because if a person knew better, they would do better and awaken the change within is all about bringing that awareness to the surface so that we've got choice. But that roller coaster of, you know, I don't want to be fat, then not being fat, then getting fat, then not being, you know, that roller coaster is a choice where I'm actually choosing that to be my experience around weight. Instead, now that I'm educated and informed thanks to you two, I now have choice where it's not a case of choosing the roller coaster. It's about choosing a lifestyle. All right. So somebody's listening to this. They're not motivated to even get up in the morning. Yep. They've got nothing to get up for. Yep. Uh, their life is a misery. Um, what, what, what did they, where did they start? Where did they start to, um, get something that excites them. Like my friend that came around, she said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm going to be an empty nester. And I'm not sure what, you know, she had no idea where to start. Do we, do you know, where do we start? No, His holiness. When I had some one-on-one time with him in India two years ago, I feel so blessed and grateful. I asked the same question. How do I help people to find their passion or their purpose? How do I support them to do that? Or their love of what they love love doing. Do you know what he said? His advice was, If you do not know what to do, if you do not know which path you're on, and if you do not know what your passion is, then what you aim to do is serve. 
So in serving others, in volunteering or doing things for others, it gets you into a place of doing things that maybe you wouldn't normally do, but you end up creating environments and networks and meeting different people and doing things. But he said the greatest gift you can give yourself is to serve others rather than dwell on your own negativity and feeling sorry for yourself. So it might be to get yourself up and motivated to do exercise in the morning. You might speak to a personal trainer and say, I'd really like to support you in your groups. Shall I bring the towel? Shall I bring things? Shall I do things? And you might want to do it that way. Or it might be serving in the tuck shop at the kids' school. Or it might be, I don't know. At the local lifeline. At the lifeline. Doing something like when you, or helping at the church or the, whatever it is that drive, you know, that he said the most crucial thing is, is that you find something in someone to serve, and that takes the emphasis on yourself in order to think of others. Actually, you know what? I, I'd like to tell you a story about a, a very close friend of mine. So she was a mum, and as her mum, as, as she became an empty nest mum, uh, she was doing a little bit of work um, at a local dress shop. And for, I don't know what happened, but she got really, um, wanted to do more. And she met somebody who had cancer and was going to this cancer center in Nambour. So she made the decision to volunteer at this cancer place in Nambour. And this cancer place was very alternative and there were lots of speakers that used to come in that, um, spoke very different to the way she thought. And of course she started to listen to them. And you know, she's just been to America to some, amazing conference because all she wants to do is to teach people to get through their cancer you know so you know Kim you're so right that was a great answer like I'm like going as as Karen's talking about it I'm thinking how do you how do you make people do this and I think you've come up with the the ultimate is serve and who knows what could happen there's another um there's another way to figure out where you want to serve um there's, if, if you can get a get a sheet of paper, draw a line straight down the centre, and on the one side, on the left-hand column, head it up saying things I love, and then on the right-hand column, head it up with things I'm naturally good at. And there's a book called The Element, written by a guy called Keith Robinson, and please, if you want to go buy it, read it, you're welcome to, but uh, it, it is one hell of an academic read and really hard work. <laughs> so just trust me, take this bit out of it. <laughs> so on the left-hand side is what are the things that I love. So if you can just make a list of everything that you love. When I did this, it was it was instrumental in helping me to get clear on what I wanted to do with my life when I really didn't know, when I was coming out of my depression and just starting to think, okay, it's time to get up in the morning. What am I going to do with myself? I wrote a list of things. So I love animals. I love color. I love shoes. I love lipstick. <laughs> I love traveling. I love beautiful things. I love jewelry. I love twinkly things like diamonds. And um, I'm expensive. You're such a princess, I isn't she? <laughs> I was going to say an escort. <laughs> Easy but not cheap. <laughs> You're right, she'd be an escort, not the other, not a prostitute. <laughs> and then on the other side, you write the things that you're naturally good at. Now, this was the And part. were you good at that? At escort? No, then I'm not in my repertoire. But I must, the, the, the things that I was naturally good at, that was really challenging. Mm-hmm. And it actually took me three weeks 
to get stuff on the list. Getting the things that I loved was a no-brainer. I nailed that in an afternoon. But what was beautiful just about completing that column was that I actually got to see, rather than it racing around in my own head, I got to see it with my own eyes, the things that I really loved. And there I was coaching real estate agents, you know, because I didn't know what else to do. And I did not have coaching real estate agents on the things that I loved. I I didn't have it on there. I had fun, pretty girly things on there. And I had helping people on that list. But it wasn't in the context that I was working at the time. And then when it finally got the list of the things that I was naturally good at, I only had three or four things on there because I don't think we ever extrapolate on the things that we're naturally good at. Um, So I had on there, I was naturally good at communicating because I think I was, I I kind of, I think I get that from my mum. So naturally good, I'm I'm good at talking, good at writing. Do you think she's good at talking? Um, She doesn't say much. No. Um, But when she does speak. Yeah, there is some pearlers. I'll have you be nice. I'll have you be nice right now. (laughs) (laughs) She can talk. I've watched her for five days talk, actually. Stop it. You are. You're good at talking. I agree. I would have put that first on the list. It was. You're a great communicator. Oh, it was okay. number one. It was first. Yes, it was. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry we interrupted. I, I just couldn't help. No, it. how could you I resist? Noticed, all three of us are great talkers. <laughs> In fact, we're yeah. all got mine for airtime. <laughs> <laughs> me now, me now. <laughs> all right, finish that second side. We're on the right-hand side. Well, anywho. Anywho. Let us not dwell on the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think if you can if you can get clear on what you love and what you're naturally good at, and then you find a way to marry the two columns. So I thought, okay, I'm a great communicator, and I also had um, on the things that I loved. I love. I actually love technology since I bought all my Apple stuff. So I started thinking about how I could marry my communication with technology. And I started thinking about writing websites for people, and, and oh my goodness. When I explored that, it bored the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. So that was not my vehicle. Then I thought about communicating in animals. So I started working with um, the guide dogs because I wanted to be able to promote, you know, raising funds for guide dogs. See, that's serving. Loved it. Serving. Again. Serving. Wow. Totally in service. Yeah. So when you can marry one column with the other and then and look in the context of how can I be of service, you nail it. You absolutely nail it because out of that springs other opportunities, as Kim said, other opportunities, networks, people that you meet, and then that launches you to the next step and the next step and the next step. And before you know it, you're working 16 hours a day (laughs) and getting out of bed simply because you have to write an article. (laughs) Uh, I just, I I had a a pearl that come to my brain just that minute in that when we do serve, and we do find new things to do or new networks, then we're always we're on the move. But if you stay in bed, you're not on the move. You're never going to get anywhere. So there's no point in staying in bed. So the best thing you can do is get up. Yeah. Someone gave me the analogy one day that, you know, if you're standing at the train station, you can stand there and you can see the trains coming and going and you can watch them and you can look at them and you – or you can decide, you know what, I'm, not, I'm going to stop watching them and I'm actually going to get on the train. I'm actually going to get on the train and I'm going to be a part of this and move somewhere. And I think you're absolutely right. And even in the 
darkest hour of running my 24-hour races, and this is where I really truly got to meet me, was at those darkest hours or perhaps when we were most challenged. Um, hang on, I'm to- being told me to drive. <laughs> where? Am I right? You're doing well. Okay, you're doing great. well, darling. I thought you, you were telling her to stop. Sorry, no, no, I just because it is. Sorry, guys, we're just having a little conversation here about the road rules here. <laughs> it's just a really tricky road. That was all. All right, oh, keep I going. managed it fine. You did really well. Hello. I was very proud of you. Hello. Okay. Anyway, but I remember thinking at you know four o'clock in the morning, and I, well, my body just wanted to sleep and rest, and I just couldn't. Go. I'm just using this as a metaphor. Yeah that I just wanted to quit and my brain was saying, for God's sake, this is ridiculous, it's stupid, what do you want to get up for anyway, why do you keep on a ring, this is, why are you doing this sort of thing? But I had dear Cliffy Young come into me and he looked at me and he goes, well, you can sit here in your pity party and think that life sucks and it's hard and it hurts. He goes, tell me anyone in life who doesn't feel this at some point. Or you can actually get up and use one step at a time, one foot in front of the other and actually get on the track and at least be moving. And I think that's the key you know, is to constantly, if you don't know what it is you want to do or you don't know what you want to get up for, then at least get up and do something, um, even if it's running a bath or pampering yourself or doing something that's nurturing for you. I think the key to it is to never get or to not allow yourself to wallow in the self-pity that you've got nothing to do or there's nothing worth living for. Or that, I mean, I'm not denying that that's how we feel sometimes. I appreciate that there's moments we feel like that, but for me, I don't personally like feeling like that. I and and you know, Kaz, you were saying before that it's about um, you know, it's it's childhood, it's experiences, it's upbringing. But I also think we're born with a certain personality type or a certain persona that comes into this world, regardless. You know, and they say sixty percent of us is already set when we come into the world, and then it's circumstances, upbringing, parenting, and all that that can alter us. But who we are. And so you've got to remember that half of the world is the glass half full and the other half is the glass half empty. So it's not necessarily that they're negative people, but they're going to look at the, well, this is the hard part or this is too, you know, there's a look problem. At the with reasons this. why they can't make things work. That's right. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's a negative, but you've got to find, like what Kaz was saying, if that's your case, then you're going to have to find something to move towards rather than away from. Mm-hmm. I think we've got to find out what's our motivator. How do we talk to ourselves? Mm-hmm. And therefore, what's going to be my language in order to get me up? So for me, not being fat is not a motivator for me. No. It's not I, a motivator. No, it wasn't a motivator for me. Mine well, is. Fit and healthy yes, is, yes. is a motivator for me. Which you're always striving for because you can never find perfection. No. You know, like I, I find I'm always striving for a better health, better body, better skin, better, better everything is what I'm always striving for. I never go... Oh, I got to get rid of that fat. It's how can I make my body better? Like what I did 18 months ago, you know, my body wasn't doing what it needed to do. I had aches and pains. I was slowly putting on weight and I just went, well, what is it that I need to do in order um, to make changes? And I had to do something drastic and I, we did it. You know, we, we did the full phase fat elimination HCG protocol. I eliminated everything and I, I got it. So you know, I've, I've got a lot of ahas actually this last hour. I'm really getting some ahas because I, I didn't realize that that's the way you think. Uh, I had no idea. Um, it's the way I've always thought is to go to the positive rather than to move away from something I didn't like. I always go to something I want, I want or I like. But I think the challenge for those of us who have lived a life of being overweight, I think that's, that's the challenge because when you are overweight, 
um, and especially when you've been significantly overweight or significantly depressed or significantly, you know, in, in a state that's not optimal, um, your whole intention is to avoid that with the plague. You know, like yeah. with everything that you've got, you want to avoid those circumstances. Yeah. Because the cost of experiencing life that way is way more. And, you know, the interesting thing is when you've been overweight all your life or you've been depressed for a long time, you, do, you, you lose the frame of reference of what else is possible. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like you can say, I want to be skinny because you don't actually have a frame of reference of being skinny. Uh, uh, somebody who's been overweight for a long period of time has got no idea about what being slim could possibly feel like. So they can't really say, I want to be slim and mean it. What they're ultimately saying is, I don't want to be this anymore. So they're wanting to avoid what they've currently got or what they're currently experiencing, but they have no frame of reference for that future then, um, you know, which is which is where the challenge lies because most of that motivation happens on a very unconscious level. So when it happens unconsciously, we're not aware that that's the conversation that's driving our behaviour. We just are being driven by that behaviour and responding to it, thinking that's who we are. But now we're conscious. Or now we are. And, you know, and people that are listening to this are now conscious. Whereas it's funny, you know, I'm getting so many Mm ahas today and I'm hoping people who are listening to this are also getting it and understanding why maybe they keep not wanting to get up in the morning or failing at what they're doing because of their motivation. Mm. But now that we're conscious of that, we can actually make conscious decisions and know exactly what to do. That's right. Sorry, no, sorry, darling. I was just going to say and that in itself creates the ripple effect and I think that's a motivator for me is to be a role model to my children. That's a motivator to get me up. I want my children to be healthy and active and, and fit and strong and all of those things, but I also want them to have drive and passion and excitement about what life has, has got on offer. And I think the only way they're going to learn that is by seeing it role modelled or to see what's normal in our life. And the the clients that I've worked with over the years, and you might be able to help me on this one, Karen, but you know, a lot of people that do lose the weight, if that's their motivator, a lot of them actually haven't thought about who they are as that person without the weight. And often they don't even know who that person is and how That's to be right. with that person. They don't have a frame of reference for it. Which is why they then become self-sabotaging and often can put on more weight than what they did before. And so I think also whatever your motivator is or whatever it is that you're driving or striving for, you need to really think about the end goal as well and think about how am I going to run that half marathon? How do I want to finish that run? Do I want to finish absolutely spent that I had absolutely nothing left to me? Or would I like to think that I can get up the next day and run again? Like that's going to determine the time you run if that's important to you. Or if I am wanting to lose 10 kilos, am I going to be happy with who I look at when I see that person in the mirror? And am I going to be excited by that? Well, right here, right now, yes. But truly, who am I when I'm 10 kilos lighter? And I think you've really taught me that, Karen, about not just having the goal, but who am I going to be or who am I being getting there and who am I going to be when I reach that goal? Because for me, I don't know if any of you are like this, but the minute I seem to reach a goal, another 10 have opened up. You know, I get really excited about something else or maybe one hasn't gone the way I wanted it to, but I've got excited because another part, and like you say, Cindy, everything is perfect. It's, 
I, I, I've learned not to beat myself up if I don't get up in the morning and go for a run because sometimes my body, when it's saying, I just can't be bothered, is actually my body saying, you're actually burning the candle at both ends. Just, you know, stay in today and don't go and run. But maybe just do the fab four and five or five downward dogs and that'll be enough today. I believe five minutes of exercise in the morning is just as important as going for a 35-minute run. You know the the whole marathon thing, the whole half marathon thing. So I, I just keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. That one. That one. That one, you're talking about? That one, the one okay. that keeps coming up. Oh, oh no, I have no idea. <laughs> Did you tell us? Tell well, us. Well, I, I just want you to know. No, I'm running one because you're making me run one. But it's not about making me run one. It was like you threw the gauntlet down at me, and I went, I got, I got to do it. But this is what happens in my head as I went, I go. Well, when it's finished, I can stop running. So is it, it's, that's not right though, because I don't want to stop running. Like it's almost like that goal in front of me is making me do what I'm doing right now. And I'm running like I've never run before, but I'm scared when that I've hit that goal, I'll go, I don't have to run anymore. Don't have to get up and do it. But you're going to be presented with a choice in the Mm. end of it. You're going to go, you know what? I actually really enjoy training for that and doing it. I'm actually going to sign up for another one. Yeah. If that's what motivates you. Or, you know what? I'm just going to run because I want to run. Well, the other choice is I'm never going to do that again. I, I the same thing with swimming. Can't stand swimming. Can't bear it. I think I'll swim to, to survive, but I'd probably drown in the process because it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. But anyway, so I decided I got the challenge put to me to go to a, a swimming training camp with a girlfriend back in Auckland. We turn up at the pool. I couldn't stand it because they all train it so bloody early in the morning. Um, well, before four, sometimes, yeah, this was four o'clock call. We get mm-hmm. to the pool in Newmarket, and I don't realise that Anna has signed me up with a triathlon team training for the Ironman. These people are going to swim a three-kilometre race, and I looked at her, and you're going to crack up at this. I thought, I can't show that I can't do anything. So I better, and Rick Wells is the trainer. He's one of New Zealand's top triathletes. He goes, Have you, can you swim? And I went, yeah, 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 no worries, yeah. <laughs> so I put my goggles on, trying to look the part. I dive in, goggles on, but my eyes are closed. And 10 metres, I hit this side of the pool because I haven't got my eyes open. So I've swum off on an angle. Clearly, my right <laughs> arm is stronger than my left. And I've hit the bloody wall. And, and oh, I've looked up and oh, Rick's yeah. looked at me and he's gone, yeah, no, you need to train in this 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 aisle, you know, the next um, yeah, no, lane over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but this is interesting what you're saying. But I trained for three months. My goal was to hit 3K so that I could do the 3K swim. So I swim for three months nonstop, you know, four or five times a week with Anna every day. Hated every minute of it. I, did not, I cannot see the point of swimming up and down a lane looking at a black light. Boring. Can't listen to music. Can't do anything. The most hideous thing. Sorry, swimmers, but I just cannot see you what know, the you point can is. Actually get, uh, yeah. I, I, you got I, new I, ones now. Not, not back then, girl. Yeah, no, that yes. was not back yeah, then. Thirty years ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so the day I do my three k swim trial, I wasn't last out of the pool. I was second last out of the pool. So proud of myself though, because I've never swum before in my life. Get out of the pool, high five, <laughs> Rick, and went. You know, you won't see me again, mate. <laughs> so, but I don't think that was a bad thing because it showed me that I could do it. But it also taught me that's not something I want to keep doing. Okay. So I think for you, don't worry about how you feel at the end of it. See how you feel when you get there. You might find, even in the few weeks that we've known you and you've complained every day about it, <laughs> but the complaints are getting less and less. And she's actually saying she's enjoying the runs every now and again, <laughs> I think. I am. And you know what? For the first time, I actually did um, 4K. I think I did just over 4K without a complaint to myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I like my my whole run is like this. It's like this. I, I start running and I go, oh jeez, 
I've got this whole thing I've got to do. Then I'm like, I'm not even halfway yet. And then I get to halfway, I'm only halfway. <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. And I'm only, and then, and then, and then today. <laughs> but the last couple of days, I've been not even complaining, absolutely going for it. So I figured I'm ready to do more. So today was my plan to do more, and I it's stuffed up. But I will, I will. Um, I, I'm ready to do 8K. I'm going to go for 8K. Yeah, You're going to yeah, go yeah. from 4K to 8K. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, you said it was 5K when I'd start feeling good. So I went, well, if I get to the 5K, then I don't want to stop. Sure, yeah, that's what right. you told me. I did say that last. Yeah, night. you did. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? We could feed you anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just a little gullible thing. That's right. It worked. I wanted to do 8K today. But I think the point of all of this is is what gets us up in the morning, what gets us up and motivates us to get us going. So I want to ask you, Cindy, and I want you, Karen, to tell us, I know it's work and I know that you both say that you get up because you want, but what actually has you do it? What's that little, that, like, imagine Imagine your desire and you are two synapses in a brain or two neurons, and I want to know what the synapses, that little bit in between that creates the electrical impulse that makes you do it. I want to know what has you do it. I love it. It's love, isn't it? That's all it is, is I love it. Like, I, I remember Karen always says, um, when she does it, who wants to make a difference? Um, that's not my motivation. It, it's not. And I know that's really weird, but it's not my motivation to make a difference in the world. It's because I love this. I love learning and I love telling people about what I learn and I and I love um, asking questions. But it, my main motivation is because I love it, not because I want to make a difference in the world. And I, I, and I don't know if that's selfish or what that is, but that's all I can be truthful about as far as that goes is that this excites me to learn more about nutrition, to find out more. Like even the, our podcasts excite me. Because as our podcasts go, I go, I learned. This is our little brain trust. I learned so much. So I think my motivation is love, is pure love for what I do and what I'm doing right now. Karen, what about you? Um, Yours is always about making a difference, isn't it? Yeah, look, yeah. for me it is. It's it's making a difference and it's a contribution. Um, it's the meaning of life for me. And service. It is. It mm. is definitely. Being mm. of service is definitely what it's all about. I think um, there are moments where I think, okay, it's time for me now to acknowledge that I've made my difference. Like I've really, like when I do my 18-hour days or whatever, I think, you know, I've made my difference. I've done my work. It's done. It's over. But then I might take a couple of days off and then I'm straight back into it again. It's like it's just this perpetual um fulfillment and 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 you know Cindy I think you are not far from the truth in that it is it is an internal connection to something that you absolutely love because when you connect to that thing that you absolutely love you're connecting back with yourself and it's actually that that we're all in pursuit of and we just happen to find it through different vehicles everything that I do from the psychological perspective and the mindset perspective and the mind-body connection thing, it connects me back to me and has me fall more deeply in love with myself. It has me form more of an intimate relationship with myself and it is that I believe all of humanity is in constant pursuit of, but we're looking for it in external, through external gratification. So the yoga teacher who never failed to get up in the morning to do yoga, his love is yoga. 
for me, it's, it's knowledge about nutrition. Yeah. For you, it's about knowledge about, um, whatever you bloody do all the time, all the <laughs> mind stuff. Like I, I, like I listen to you and I go, Huh? I, I'm like the dog that puts the head on the yeah. side when I listen to you. I'm like going, and I've got my hat and tongue hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next words, for the next words. But it is. It's your love of that um, that subject. I'm going to call it a subject mm. because it's all-encompassing what you, you always go looking at. Mine is my love of nutrition and yours is your love of – Physical exercise. You just you are thri- you always thrive on that and the I, physical I love body the challenge. I, what really pushes and motivates me is a challenge, but also role modeling. You know, I and to give back. You know, like to it didn't occur to me that people were inspired by what I did. Like I never thought about anybody when I was doing my ultra marathon running, except how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Um, until the team at the end said, "You just made us feel amazing." My running made them feel fantastic. Um, my role modelling to my children, I, I mean, I got a Mother's Day card and the words that they both wrote was, you're our greatest mentor. And I thought, wow, that is such a, a privilege and an honour. And, you know, we've all been graced with these incredible bodies, these incredible brains, and to me it's we need to honour and respect the privilege just a little bit, you know, you know try and do it a little bit more. Don't take it for granted, you know. If if you were diagnosed right here, right now, and you were told you only had three months to live, I guarantee you every single second of your life would mean something now. Why do we have to have such a big thing occur in order for us to appreciate the moment? Because of the whole half an hour I've lied in bed thinking, I can't be bothered getting up for going for a run, or it's cold, it's wet, it's like, I would have been back by now. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what also gets me out of bed. I think, yeah. oh, I don't want to go. And then I spent five minutes dilly-dallying around. I can go, I'll be five minutes, I'll be warm by now. Like, that's what I also do to myself. Like, why miss out? These precious seconds go by every moment. How can I get the most out of my day? How can I give back the most in my day? And what can I give to serve? And what can I do to actually support my family and those I love? Who can I be to be that support for them? That's what gets me. So let's summarise for people who are not getting up in the morning, because I think we've talked enough about... For they won't be listening to this podcast. You don't think? Oh, no, I, <laughs> don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon there's people out there like me. Oh, but we want to be like you when we grow up. Oh, my God, I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh, no, but but let's summarise it. If they're I not getting up, let's let's summarise. Well, yours was service. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's yours as service. Go out and find something to someone or something or... Um, a passion or a love to serve. The second thing is draw a line down the middle. Yeah, check out your motivation. Have yeah. some moments with yourself where you actually examine your motivation. Is it towards what you want or away from what you don't want? And, you know, there's not there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a case of being aware of it. And yeah. awareness is 50% of the battle won. And then start to find a motivation that's big enough that's toward what you want. Draw a line down the middle of a page, what you love on one side, what you're good at on the other, and find a way to marry the two and then go out and be in service. Do you think, though, just quickly on that, though, let's say someone is overweight and they are a little bit maybe depressed and so they've written on one side that they have a love of, or, you know, if they really ask themselves they've got a love of, of health but they're not doing much about it at the moment, they actually do love health. Mm. They wouldn't write on the other side that they're good at running if they're not good at running. Mm. And yet someone who, and so my other piece of advice would be sometimes 
it's good to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's actually really good to do something that's maybe not, like even for me swimming, even though it was totally not me, I did it because it was outside my comfort zone. And I'm really glad I did it. I have a newfound respect for swimmers, I can tell you that much, because I look at how fast those bleeding Olympic swimmers <laughs> swim. And I think, wow, and I had a wall within 10 minutes, uh, 10 metres. But I look at I think sometimes stepping out of it, I would never have said at 16, I would. one of my things was I wanted to help people, definitely at 16, but I would never have said I'm a good communicator and I'd love to speak, ever. And yet it was through constantly being challenged by these ladies that asked me to train and to become a speaker that now it's one of my greatest passions, you know. So I think sometimes part of your motivation is also doing something a little bit maybe outside of the square. Maybe there could be a third column that says, who would you dream to be if you could wave a magic wand? Because sometimes it's that little that magic that you'd like to be, but you never think you could be, that could actually be the driving motivator to support you to becoming something greater than you ever imagined. And it doesn't, age is of no object, you know, no, um, it doesn't stop you. You can be 85 and, and, make a dif- and make a difference or do this this thing that we're talking about. You can be 50, you can be 25, you can be 16. The, to me, it's not about the age you are because some people might be um, listening and going, I'm too old. I can't do it. You know, I'm too old to start a new career. I'm too old. Oh. You're never too old. My mum's 72 and she's just gone back to uni. Yeah. yeah. My grandma she's studying creative writing. Grandma moved over here at 92. She did, didn't she? Mm. You know, so I think this, it's, age is not the issue here. It's just, if you're not getting up, then these are the steps that you need to do. Mm. So we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Again, being a fly on the wall. On in the little, car, in the car, <laughs> on our road trip, but we haven't dropped the phone this time. Woohoo! <laughs> well done. <laughs> so go on over to the Facebook page on up for, for up for a chat. Leave your comments on our Facebook page. We love hearing from you. We're getting lots of likes on that page now, which is really cool. Also, head on over to the website on www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Until next week, go ahead. Keep making the difference and enjoying being a ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you then. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.